The Hebrew scripture today is from Exodus, chapter 24, verses 12 through 18. And you might um, hear the spirit here. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commands I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you and anyone involved with a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud, and he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The word of the Lord. The Gospel reading today is from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 19, the Transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came up and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised. Then (laughs) the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past week, I was uh, reading about an archaeological site in southern Turkey, and it's an area that um, I've never been to. I've never been to uh, uh, Turkey or Israel before, but I've always wanted to go. But um, in undergraduate um, years, I was studying under an amazing archaeology professor named Patty Jo Watson. She was one of the first major archaeologists in the Middle East, um, she kind of uh, took the mantle for archaeology in America um, and is a major uh, a leader at uh, Mammoth Caves. But her doctoral uh, uh, project was this excavation site in, in southern Turkey. 
And um, I had the opportunity to basically um, reshelve all for pottery and 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 repaint where stuff came from. It, it took maybe about like 30 hours or something, and got me interested in that part of the world. Anyway, this past week I was reading in that part of the world, in that same valley, they discovered an ancient an ancient city. Uh, uh, it, it was it was a place that you know, supposedly destroyed King Midas's city. Like you all remember King Midas. Well, he was an actual king, and in this stele that they found uh, in a river in an irrigation uh, dock, uh, the stele describes the destruction of King uh, King Midas's uh, uh, ancient city. Anyway, it got me thinking about our faith, and um, archaeology is interesting. I love finding things. I love finding things that are underground and buried. Um, but is our faith, is our faith an archaeology project? Maybe it is to uncover uh, the streams of different uh, uh, oral traditions. Maybe it's archaeology in the sense of wonderment of the past and the people that came before us. Um, but even the Ten Commandments, the power of the Ten Commandments is not in the literal stone that they were written on. If it were, we'd all be archaeologists hunting uh, the whole Middle East to try to find the literal Ten Commandments. But it's how these stories touch our hearts. It's how these stories penetrate our being. It's how these stories and relationships develop that deepen us and draw us into relationship with God and Jesus Christ. So on this day, uh, although I love archaeology, let's not be archaeologists. Let's be poets. Let's be visionaries. Let's be people of the Word. Let us be people of the light who shine Christ's light into the dark places. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks on this day for your love, which is not buried. It's always out there. And so we look for it. Help us to look for it this day. Help us not to stay up on the mountaintop, but to come down and to stand with your people. In Christ's name, amen. Now, mountaintop experiences are amazing. No doubt about it. Mountaintop experiences can literally blow you away as wind might catch you, catch you, flinging you off a cliff that you're climbing if it's too steep. Thankfully, that's never happened to me. Mountaintop experiences can also be profound. Like when you stand and you look out upon a world that seems so small and so distant and yet so amazing and perfect where you see everything as you looked out across the horizon and everything seems hushed and brand new. Mountaintop experiences elicit a sense of wonder, a sense of grandeur, a sense of grace. As you consider maybe all the places that you have traveled in your life, oh, the places that you go, the places that have gotten you to this point, right here, right now, in your journey of faith with God. They help you to consider, where am I going to go now? Of course, we want to hold on to those mountaintop experiences, and we want to cherish them, even if thunder and lightning is all around us, and they're scary and they're frightening. These are memorable experiences, and they give us hope, even if they're frightening. 
Have you ever had one of those moments at a restaurant or coffee shop or um, family reunion, a party, where you said something like, remember that time? Remember that time when we were hiking on that mountain? Have you ever said that before? Remember that time that we got cliffed out, ascending to the top? Remember? Memory is so important to our mountaintop experiences. For memory recalls such glory moments where even if we didn't succeed to get to the very tippy top, we went deeper into the mystery of life. I think it's interesting in terms of image. Even as you go up, it's actually in the going down that really matters. Remember the time I remember just saying this with my two brothers, Mike and Drew. Remember the time when we climbed Finger Rock? It took us all day, 14 hours. We ascended 7,000 feet elevation. We left the dark and we came back in the dark. Remember how thirsty we were? Remember how hungry we were? Remember how we shared our water? Remember those Ritz crackers and cheese? I'm so so glad we had water still when we ate those Ritz crackers and cheese. They tasted so good. That water, how refreshing. Remember? Memory recalls such glory moments. Not to build up trophies that we put in our libraries but to lift up times of trouble and suffering so that we remember that we are not alone. We remember that Jesus didn't stay up on that mountaintop. Jesus didn't stay up on that mountaintop basking in the glory, getting a good suntan. Jesus said, I don't want to stay here, I want to go down there. I must be with my children. I must suffer so that everyone knows that they are not alone in their pain and in their suffering. Our temptation, like Peter's, is to stay on that mountain and forget everything else. The pain and the suffering of life, who wants to deal with that? We want to distance ourselves from that pain and suffering so that we don't have to be aware of our weakness. Jesus says to you, Jesus says to me, we can't stay up here basking in the wonder of it all. We must go down. Have you heard about those salamanders? A little side trip here in the world of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, you know, lizards and amphibians. Have you heard about those, you know, salamanders? that live in the dark, they're amazing. No light, little if any food. Amazingly, they can live almost a hundred years. A hundred years, and they've been doing studies over the last ten years. They've, you know, actually been analyzing how much they move in this this huge uh, uh, cave system. You know how much they move over a ten-year period of time? Maybe a half of an inch. Half an inch. They have very slow metabolisms. Occasionally, occasionally they might move a couple feet down because they've got a mate. They've got to keep the generations continuing. But they will literally, literally stay in the same spot for up to 10 years. They don't need to move. But folks, 
We are human beings. We are not amphibians. We need to move. I'm not talking just physically. I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking spiritually. Jesus calls us to move from those mountaintops and to come down and to come alongside our family and our friends, to come alongside strangers and support them. You see, our story, God's story, the church's story, is not intelligible unless we are in relationship, unless we are moving. Look at the Ten Commandments story. Is the power, is the power of this memory, the list of commands, the archaeological artifact? Is that the story? Ten Commandments that you follow, or else, H-E double toothpicks? That's not the story. That's not the story. The story is all the details about the relationship of God with God's people. It's the story of waiting and listening and learning and impatience and anger and love, of climbing back up the mountain, going down the mountain, coming back up the mountain, waiting again. Read Exodus this week. It won't take you that long. But this isn't just a list of rules that God spouts out and then expects everybody to learn. It's about a relationship that's forming and growing and moving and taking back steps and forward steps, moving this way and that. Read the story. Not just this little bit that you heard today, but read about the good news about God, Yahweh, who lives in relationship. This is the same God. This is the same God, Yahweh, who called Jesus and called His friends up to the mountain. Not so that they might stand there basking forever in the power of God's light, but that they might listen to Jesus and have compassion. Listen to Him. And consider how you might live for others rather than self. Listen to Him. Listen to Jesus and seek out ways that you might love and give sacrificially. Listen to Jesus in prayer and contemplation, wondering how you might comfort those in need. This morning I received an email from Vicki Sherman. You all remember Vicki. She and her husband Bill moved from here a couple of years ago, but she keeps in touch. She stays in contact. And she, in a way, has been uh, alongside of us the last year with John Turnbull. Uh, Vicki over the years has really supported and appreciated the work of John Turnbull and the Haiti work. And supporting that work, getting wrapped up in the details of him as he drove and hiked and, and scrambled up the mountains of Haiti. He was not working in the cities. John was working up in the mountain communities. John went to Haiti to build homes and churches, but more than that, his mission as he listened to Jesus was to build relationships and to grow and to encourage an amazing community of faith. A place that is called the church. We're a part of it. Well, John went to Haiti to be touched by this amazing community of faith and to help in the practical ways that he could. John was inspired to give of his time and his talent so that others might know that they are not alone, that they are not left out, they are not lost. And as is so often the case, not only was that community changed, but John was changed. John was changed. Changed by the Spirit, so that when He came to our community, He changed us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. 
John didn't stay there, thanks be to God. He didn't stay there on that mountaintop in Haiti. He didn't stay there. He came back. Anyway, Vicki sent me a picture this morning of a home that was recently built in Haiti. The concrete on this home. You know when you see wet concrete, you can almost smell it, right? You, you see that, that wet gray concrete and you, you just know that the earth, you can, you can smell the earth alive and good things being made brand new. It is that wet gray that you can just smell as you imagine and it signifies a school in Haiti? That's something good. Well, on that door of that brand new home is a sign that reads, house built, home built, I should say, in honor of John Turnbull. Now, as I look out this morning, as I look out this morning, I see small, not gray concrete, but earth, clay, that is wet and fresh and new. I see you. You are that clay. You are God's children. You are all God's children, and you are all fresh, and you are all standing on that mountaintop with Jesus. And I need you to stand up right now. I'm telling you the truth. Preach it. Come on. I need you to stand up right now. I need you to stand on that mountaintop right now, and I need you to close your eyes. Jesus is standing with you right now, and is holding you up. Jesus is basking in the light of God, delighting in each one of you. Each one of you is equipped with God-given gifts, and for that we give thanks. And in this moment, we hear God's voice on this mountaintop saying to us, listen, listen to Him. Listen to Him. Listen to Him as you come down the mountain. Listen to Him as you pray for your friends. Listen to Him as you serve a meal welcoming people to our community. Listen to Jesus as you praise God with all your heart and your mind and your spirit. Listen to Jesus as you serve others. And some of you know better than me that it's not going to be easy. There is in human life pain and heartache, and there is grief. And yet, and this is the good news, we do it together. We do it because Jesus loves us. Amen. Amen.